This is the jazz man, Keith G of Soul Jazzy Radio. You're now tuned in to the queen of product, service, and information all across the globe, Cassie Talk. And if you want to drop her a line, reach her at CassandraPT at gmail.com. That's CassandraPT at gmail.com. Now here's our great host, Cassandra. Hello, 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 everybody. Today, I am talking to the fabulous Bernice Ringo Wilson. Let me tell you, she's the niece of Joe Hunter, one of the fabulous funk brothers. She's the granddaughter of the Clarence Ringo, the man that helped us hear WCHB, the sister of Miss Tina Ringo Starr, her voice graced, and she graced us with her beautiful voice, and the daughter of Miss Louise Ringo, a classical pianist. How are you doing today, Tammy? Hi, Cassie. <laughs> that was such a beautiful introduction. I certainly appreciate that. It was really, really good. You have to excuse all the noise behind me. We're going live, but... The um, EMS are traveling to the neighborhood. Oh, that's okay. I understand. Um, because we can't be around each other, we are in our homes. So we're just enjoying life at home. Um, you have such a wonderful legacy. A wonderful legacy. Can you give us a little bit more about each person? Like, for instance, your mom. Can you tell me a little bit more about her? Well. Let me tell you this. Um, I was just talking about my mother. I talk about her all the time. No. But what I want to say is this. Um, I was introduced to music because of my mother, first and foremost. She was the first introduction to music. I actually wrote something about her a while back. But um, when I was a little girl, probably around three years old, mm -hmm. my mother, she got her first piano. Mm. I was very young, and I didn't know really what that instrument or what it was. I just knew it was beautiful. And we were, you know, well off. And we were living back then. Um, it was in the early 60s. And I just remember this this piano being delivered to our home. It was a white baby grand. Mm, beautiful. Ooh. I up looking at a white baby grand piano. So I'm three years old, not knowing what this this thing does and all I can say is this my mother got on that piano and it forever forever changed my life mm, 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 mm. oh I can just imagine I can visualize it what about your sister tell me something about your sister well let's say this the piano was our was our magical instrument it was such a magical instrument that my mother played tina was a young girl she was younger than me and what tina did my mother would play the piano and always sung my mother was a choir director she did she played over at 30 over 30 churches my mother was featured in different plays before we were born my mother was carmen jones in a live play so my mother was very theatrical, as well as being a 
composer and a classical train, all of that, all of that package. Tina was my youngest sister. And Tina loved the piano like I did, but she also loved my mother's operatic voice. My mother sung opera. And I saw Tina gravitating to my mom eventually. Now, let's let's go to me. I was into music all my life. Where I entered into the picture, I played music on my record player back then. <laughs> record player. Uh, <laughs> Tina would often stand outside my bedroom door of the basement. And Tina would listen to my classical, my jams, okay? Mm-hmm. Phyllis Hyman, all my people. Long story short, between the gospel music and my R&B music, Tina just adapted to all genres of music. And she actually became a partner with my mother. And they did a lot of the funerals in my neighborhood. They did weddings in our neighborhood. They started off like that. My mm-hmm. first funeral off of old schoolcraft was one of our childhood friends who had passed away. And my mother did his funeral. And then everybody started calling my mother and Tina. And Tina used to sing along with my mother before she branched off on her own. At about 16, 17, she started a band in Detroit. Oh, wow. What was the name of the band? Uh, in Effect. In Ooh. Effect. It was an awesome band. And Tina, and, and, and see, that's what I'm saying. Tina broke off right out of high school music. Tina became a professional singer. She didn't go to college or anything. Tina was getting so many gigs at a young age that became her profession up until she passed away. I mean, she was everywhere in Detroit. Mm. You name the club, Tina was playing there. Oh, you name wow. it. She was featured at any of the venues in Detroit, all the popular places back then, Latin quarters. Oh. First time I saw her name on a billboard, we pulled up Tina Ringo Starr and, and in effect band. She was, yeah. Wow. What about your uncle? Tell us about the fabulous Mr. Joe Hunter. Oh, Joe Hunter. I was talking about him with one of my girlfriends. It's so funny. Growing up in my house, with my mother on her baby grand and my uncle Joe lived with us. Joe, we were, I was about eight years old. Joe moved in. Him and my mother, you know, back then, family stayed really together. So Joe was living upstairs. We had a one a single home, but we converted it into two homes. He was playing his keyboards all the time. And my uncle had a lot of company coming over. I was young. I didn't pay a whole lot of that attention. I just saw the people coming, getting music, music, music. So Joe's upstairs playing his music, company coming over. What was really strange, and we didn't pay any attention because we were young, there would be limos pulling up in the hood, okay, off the school ground. You notice all these big, fine cars and all this and that. Well, Joe was riding and arranging, and he was a very big star. Uh, well, star. Wong <laughs> Brothers. Actually, um, when Barry Gordy wanted to open up the record company to produce talent, he saw my Uncle Joe playing at a club. And I believe this is the story. It's, on, it's in the documentary where he approached Joe Hunter mm-hmm. and asked him if he put a band together for this new record production company he was putting together. So at that time, Joe kind of rounded up his musical friends, and they and eventually they all became the Funk Brothers. There's been a lot of Funk Brothers, you know that. Yeah. And some of leave, and then a new one to come in, a new keyboard player, a new this and that. So for those ten years that he lived with us. I saw and met a lot of people coming from Motown. 
Oh, wow. Okay, your your grandfather, he made it possible for us to hear WCHB. Can you touch on him a little bit for us? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Okay. We got Motown. Okay, we got Motown over here on school. My mom. We got gospel, my mother. On the other hand, my other hand, um, I love music. I love music. People often ask me, you know, you don't play history. I think I was more geared to hear. I love music. So, my grandfather, I used to go visit, and I was always interested in all these tinkering and all these radios and things. Well, he, in fact, had a radio uh, store back in the 30s, 40s, before TV was really popular. He always tinkered with radio and video. So eventually, two of his clients were there. They were prominent black doctors, dentists, I believe. And he one day approached them and said, why don't you guys invest in a radio station? Why don't we build a radio station? Which was unheard of at that time for blacks to start a radio show, a radio station. It was very well known that whites had radio stations. I'm not being racist. That's just what it was at the time. So these gentlemen invested, and WCHB was, recre- was created. A lot of our music was being played at that time on PKLW, WJLB, whatever. They were already established. But for us to have our first black radio station was WCHB. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather, Clarence Ringle, was the engineer. He used to want fountains and build the towers. And he was a music uh, genius, an uh, engineer. He was a genius. And that's how he was able to establish the radio station. And the question I asked when I was a little girl, because I was very interested in radio. I was so interested. And one of the things I asked, how did he come up with the name WCHD? And that's when he told me he named it after the two owners. William Cotton Hill, and I that stayed with me forever, you know. But he was a he was a genius. Wow. Okay. Do you have any musical talent? Oh, do I have any musical talent? Well, let me tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> there were. <laughs> I was torn. I I didn't play the piano. I used to mess around. I thought I could play. I didn't. It took a lot of patience. Um, I did want to play an instrument. I did try out to sing. I found that out at Monier. I wasn't able to really carry a note. So I was in glee club. I didn't hone into that into that talent like I should have because I was so, I want to say artistic. I loved music. Actually, let me tell you this. We were at junior high school, and this is when I knew my passion was music radio. Uh, the teacher, teacher had us to do a, 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 a sport. In my report, I told her I wanted to be a disc jockey. That's what I told her. And so she gave me a challenge. She said, okay, well, create a top 20 music list. You can't use any popular artists, and you can't use any popular songs. You have to create your own groups and your own songs. Which at that time, Jackson 5 was popular, stylistic. Everybody, I said, I have to create my own group. She said, yes, I did. I created my own group. I created my own song. And then when I turned about 18, I started hanging out at the radio station with my cousin, John Arnold. And I was in the studio, and John was in live on air. And I would be in the studio. And then they had, like, it was so obsolete. It had reel-to-reel tapes, and, you know, you could put your music and turntables. So my... I really want to say my cousin John was very instrumental in me wanting wanting to develop my skill as a disc jockey because there weren't a lot of female disc jockeys. You 
had Rosetta. We had some great ones in Detroit. But that's where my head was really, really going towards being becoming a DJ. Wow. So would you say the love of music for you came from because of your family background? Or do you think that it was just, well, I guess it will be just naturally in you because of your family black background. So the love of music, do you think that well, your family background was instrumental in you being so into music? Oh, without, without any hesitation, I was blessed to be in a musical family. I mean, my mother entertained company. You got to remember the times we were living in. We didn't have nothing. We only had one black radio station. So it wasn't that I was exposed to a lot of music on radio. At the, You know what I'm saying? I grew up. It was the piano. And my mother and my uncle, they entertained through live sessions. So if we had Thanksgiving dinner, they were on the piano playing and singing together. I had a very musical family. I was just fortunate to have on the other side, another music side. One side was live music. Jazz, gospel, uh, blues, and being alive. I was privileged to see them sing. You don't see that. Hmm. Oh, wow. We entertain through music. So, whether it was a funeral service, whether it was whatever family, music is going to be played. It's going to be played live. What? What is your favorite type of music? Oh, girl, that's like a million dollar question. <laughs> because I, because of my exposure, like I said again, my mother did play. I, I remember my mother singing Billie Holiday and then I'm the precious Lord Thomas Dorsey. So, um, my genre is so vast because of the different music I got a chance to hear. And you know this uh, song in particular because my mother passed away and I bought her a piano. Mother played. It was the song um, classical. You know, remember Corgi and Bass, all those. Yes, yes. All the standards. So my, and then Joe, my uncle Joe Motown and all the arms and soul. Um, jazz. Uh, ooh. My, my genre is, is, is vast. Because when I was growing up as a 17, 16, 17-year-old, you got to remember, I'm in the basement on the stereo high side. My collection was like, um, it could be anybody from, from Al Jarreau to uh, Miles Davis. Mm. In between. And I still, to this day, I listen to a whole uh, genre of different types of music. Because we were fortunate enough at that time for, uh, to listen. I still love Nancy Wilson. I still love Frank Sinatra. I mean, it's just, I can go. It depends on my mood. Wow. Okay, so, you know, these kids listen to a lot of different type of music, okay? do But our music from, I would say, um, 90s back, that music, people sample it now. Do you think the music of today will stay as long as the music, the old school school music that we had? No. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what I think, well, my opinion. The old music, Miles Davis, 
Tommy Dorsey, Thomas Dorsey, Doctor of Gospel, James Cleaver. They created, they wrote, they produced. My Uncle Joe. They wrote, produced, arranged. They played live instruments. It was a, it was a, a learning. Uh, you taught, you were taught. You even went to school for it if you were fortunate enough. Um, today, I don't see the the creating. I don't see them sitting there with a pencil for hours creating all of this different melodic sounds and lyrics and things that will last a lifetime. I see a lot of um, computerized things, like you said, sampling. They, they have a sample back to it. They yeah. their head and their heart. Yeah, Thomas, you're right. Thomas Dorsey said the, the song Precious Lord came because he was going to, his wife had died. He had a car accident. He was thinking, Precious Lord, take my hand. But he created that, that famous gospel song. But no, I don't see it lasting. Mm, okay. No. Uh, my favorite, well, one of my favorite DJs, my cousin Wade Briggs, but about Junior, I interviewed him and he talked about how he couldn't be a DJ now because back then they played from their heart. They played music. Right now, people have to have a playlist and that they used to do things like whatever was happening in the city and whatever thing was going on, they used to be able to work in the community and excuse me, the dog is barking. I am so sorry. Yes, he does. But he was able, they were able to work in the community and play music to deal with what was going on in life. What do you think about that? The times, again, we, we were coming off of uh, post-civil rights and we, we, died, we had to do, go through the, 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 it was for us as a race of people, a lot of our music were like very inspiring because of the times we were going through. From Dr. Martin Luther King on, We Shall Overcome. Everything was to inspire. And you had James Brown, you know, saying loud, I'm black and I'm proud. You had the DJs who were actually experiencing what those times, what we were going through. See, we were going through some turbulent times in the 50s, the 60s. 70s, we kind of, you know, things we were living with, like, you know, hey, flower power was happening. But it took a, a movement. So a lot of our songs um, were created based out of the movement, what we were going, what we were experiencing. Um, if I had a choice of colors, uh, Curtis Mayfield, everything yes. was about improvement of our lives. What I see today, before this, <laughs> before this pandemic hit, I didn't see the, the message in the music anymore, and we lost that. And, yeah. and I grew up, I'm militant, I'm radical, you can call me whatever you want. But I relied, I, I relied on that to me through whatever we were going through in the 60s, especially the racial divide, especially the, the riot. And anything else that was going on, um, that music really, really was an upliftment to the community. And that's what our DJs found themselves in. So you got to remember, there was riot going on in, in Detroit. Our, we looked for our DJs to play music to calm the situation down. And that's what they did. Yeah. So you would say yeah. that old school music was good for our life 
to help us connect and to really like um, express our feelings and our passion. Definitely, most definitely, because music was the key to life. It still is the key to life. And and it's it's a key to life. That's what Stevie Wonders, I know you know. Mm -hmm. You know, music, it was a soothing. If we were all out of control and things wanted to be, trust me, if it wasn't for the music, if it wasn't for Earth, Wind, and Fire saying, keep your head to the sky, you know, all those music. All that music had a message to keep us together because it could have got even worse because of what was happening during those times. Our DJs were way more than DJs. I just put that out there. I saw them giving their lives and they were doing stuff that they believed in that was affecting them as well. So they they were a source for us. And I really, really do miss that. I hate everything nowadays. It's microwave. Let's move fast. Let's everything you know, else no longer taking the time to play the music that will inspire, uplift, and encourage like they did back then. They don't even do that now. They play the same old, same old, whatever. So I don't even listen right now. Wow. Okay, yeah, so, I don't even no, listen to it. so we are dealing with this pandemic, this virus. And do you think, like, um, music? can help us as we stay, we're in the house locked up. Do you think this is a way that can help us, you know, mentally? Let me tell you, <laughs> I am so on creating my own playlist. I have to go back. I, I go back to keep myself entertained, to keep my spirits lifted up. I do it every single day before I even go on social media. I am over here with my Bluetooth and I'm like, I'm on pulling up my music. I have to have some music today to get me through what we're doing. It's almost like what they went through. We're, we're living history right now. We're going through a real serious crisis, a real major crisis, one that has never happened before. There have been some major, major crises in, in history, of course. But um, I, I, I just pull out my, my music. I, I think I did a whole day of Earthman Fire um, the other day on social media because I know people are feeling like I am. So I don't have a problem pulling out. Um, Earthman Fire should have taught a class on how to be civil, how to love in spite of whatever's going on around us. That music will teach you how to deal with a time like this. And that's what people are missing. They're missing that. And I, and I, I, I never not played them. So I'm just playing them even more now because if you listen to the lyrics and the words, it'll inspire you to get through very difficult time. And oh, by the way, don't exclude gospel. So gospel is still, you ask me about John, I'll say gospel is my number one genre. Let me just backtrack a little bit. Okay. Because okay. I can't go through my day. I can't go through my day. But I go old school gospel. I know this new stuff is out there, but I got confused the new gospel from the old. The old gospel, they were still singing like old music. You know, they were going through something. It was a different time. Now you have more praise and worship. I get that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I like it all. I love it all. But if I really need to go back and draw some strength, I would go to put James Cleveland or um, <laughs> someone like that back in the day. Um, I have to, how much can I, you know, he knows how much you can bear. I have to go back. For me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I and understand that. Too, and that's why they were writing all those classic, beautiful songs. I, I don't listen to uh, uh, Bolster, you know. Mm-hmm. I go all the way back. <laughs> yeah, I, but I understand because, like, 
when I'm in church and the choir starts singing some of those way back there songs, that's when it just fills me up. It really do. Okay. It's very, it's okay. not too many songs that's out now that I can say that just take me there. They, you know, it has to be a flavor that's mixed with old school, the hymns and everything for me to go there. But some of the gospel. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was saying that too because mm-hmm. it was songs my mother was saying. God specializes. I didn't know what God specializes, but the, well, I didn't even know the meaning. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I listen to the song now, you know, okay, all right. It was a strength that they had me play through that music. It, it can do nothing but strengthen you. Trust me on that because they were actually living during those times. They could not get on the bus. They could not go eat a Yes, yes. They couldn't do what we're doing today. Yes. They praised the Lord and, and thanked him and whatever song they did, it was giving him the praise because they're going to get through it. Yes. Yes. And, and they used that music. Mahania Jackson? Yes. Um, yes. I played that the other day and I'm like, really? <laughs> feel it. Uh, if I can touch somebody along the way, then my living will not be in vain. And that's what people have to understand. We are not, we were chosen to be here for a purpose, but we're here to actually help each other. And you're right. Gospel music is like my top one music. Yeah, that's my top. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, you have had some falls along the way in life. Oh, yeah. What music did you listen to to help you get back up? Is it gospel music or is it a mixture of uh, music? Well, in the beginning for me, because, um, you know, recently, I don't know how many people know, I recently lost my son to a tragic, uh, tragic gun violence. And I'm grieving. I'm in the. I'm, I'm in a grieving process. Um, there was nothing, nothing. No one can say. You know, people give you your their your condolences, and that's very thoughtful and kind. But I needed something to touch my soul and my spirit. I needed something so bad. I know God was there for me, and I know He was there. But again, I, I think I listened to some songs. Every day, every but I was listening to him over and over. Perfect Peace by Keith Gringo. It kept me in a place that I needed to draw strength. I just had to play certain artists, and I played it. Bruce Parham. So I'm still grieving. I each actually made a list of songs. Um, I call it my grief therapy. My grief therapy, because again, if you've never been in this situation, it's only so limited what you can say to me to console me when you lose a child, just like when you lose a mother, mm-hmm. a parent, a different kind of loss. So yeah, music. Um, I, I I have a list, a playlist of uh grief songs that mm-hmm. I create for my for my time. What I'm going through now, it may not apply a benefit to nobody else, because everybody have their way of grieving. Yeah. But since it was always something, a source for me, I created a list. Martin Sapp is a prime example of my therapy because he's been through it. 
he lost a wife, a very dear wife. So when you hear him say things like he has his hands on me or has whatever song he's singing, he's singing it because of his own pain and grief. A lot of his songs. Um, so yeah, that's what that's really what I have. That's what I do pretty much on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and not daily. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. my grief therapy song. Wow. Uh, yep. And then I have, like I said, I have my pandemic song, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Made. <laughs> Other people, we are one, you know. Yes. One, you know? So I, I listen to everything to get me through what I've been going through. Always have resorted to music. Wow. Tammy, you are such a fabulous person. I love you. I mean, I remember us walking home from school and Cookie's mother, Cookie Johnson, yes, Cookie Johnson, used to walk with us. And her mother was the crossing guard. And as I got older, I always said, I wonder what happened to Ringo. What happened to Tammy? Because we called you Tammy. Whatever happened. And when I found you, I was like, that was it. And I have been stuck to you ever since. I'm not letting you go. No matter what, I'm going to stay stuck to you because we started out as kids being around each other and things happen through life. But for some reason, God brought us back together. So for that reason, I am going to be stuck to you. I enjoy talking to you about everything. But before we go, can you tell me two things that people may not know about you? Well, first of all, before we even go there, let me just thank you again. You know, again, we life happens. We all have lived life. And I'm so glad that God has brought so many wonderful people, including you, of course, from my childhood. Because we were like blue back then. It was a different time. So we weren't just friends. We became family. I used to live on your street. And I stayed five blocks away. <laughs> but that foundation that was formed is everlasting. Um, I just wanted to tell you that publicly because you've been right here for me. You brought me out of my chair two years ago. Where were we at? <laughs> yeah. So to the picnic and I got to reconnect with so many people because of you. So I thank you for that. And I, I've been connected with them ever since. Uh, two things about me. And I was trying to figure that out because, you know, anybody that knows me, Tammy Ringo, let's go to Tammy Ringo. If anybody knows Tammy Ringo, knows my love of music. So that's one thing that everybody knows. But one thing I, I thought about, I said, they don't know this. I love antiques. I love cars. Mm. I love cars. Um, I have an antique in my driveway. For yes. I love old cars. Okay, so that's one thing about me. The other thing is my passion for writing. I I think I started off with diaries back in the day, and I graduated to journals. Um, I've always loved writing, and that's something else that's therapeutic for me as well, because I still journal. I still write. I even write about my grief experience, any experience, actually. But um, I love to write. So I think those are two things. That um, people really don't know, but I do. I go. I love cars, antiques. I, I love traveling, but um, but those are two of the things: writing and cars. Okay, okay. Um, so therefore, I'm hearing about this writing. Then I'm going to say. Uh-uh. I, next time I talk to you, uh-uh. I will be talking to you maybe about something you wrote, um, postcard, or 
a birthday card, a magazine article, a book, maybe a book. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to put that right there and say next time I talk okay. to Tammy with Bernice Ringo, I'm going to be talking to her about her fabulous book because when you write, you just sing. It's just I can visualize. You're such a good writer, so I hope you really, really take on that endeavor and write a book. Well, <laughs> as we speak, I'm a storyteller by heart. Maybe that's what I should have included with the writing part. I am a storyteller. That's why if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you a story behind it. So, um, yeah, I, I can see that definitely in the works because can't nobody tell my story but me. Yeah. I lived an interesting life, and I thank God for all the ups, the downs. The, I call myself a real survivor, and yes. I've been blessed. Yes. Um, so life happens, and I would love to share my story uh, if anybody's interested, I don't know if they are, <laughs> but hey, you, I have lived a very interesting life. I can say that. And I thank God for all of it. Yes. Of it. Yes. Yes. Well, Tammy, well, Bernice, I enjoy. Hey, little girlfriend, Tammy, Tammy Ringo. Tammy Ringo. <laughs> if yes. you knew me 50 years ago, you better call me Tammy Ringo. 10 years ago, you can call me Bernice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, again, it has been so nice talking to you. I really enjoyed this. God bless you. I love you with all of my heart. Oh Bless my! Thank you, and listeners, please remember to stay safe. And also, faith makes us stronger. Love bonds us. So I would like for everyone to stay safe. Wash your hands. Social distancing. Don't go out there with no common sense. Be be think about it because you know you're taking it back to others, and. Again, be fabulous. Thank you so much, Tammy. And we shall speak again. Thank Bye. you, sweetie. And thank your audience. Bye. Bye-bye. Cassie would like to thank you for listening in.